Before sunrise, Burn Dairy and Deli is preparing to fuel your day with hot coffee, donuts, muffins, breakfast sandwiches, and other morning staples. For lunch, grab a giant deli sandwich made the way you like it. Pizza, wings, wraps, or a fresh salad. Plus, something to wash it down. Then pick up dinner or a sweet treat and other pantry essentials. Now you can get your Burn Dairy and Deli favorites delivered with DoorDash. All day, every day, you can count on Burn Dairy and Deli. It's all good. Spring has sprung, so make a splash with a new spa from MyHotTub.com. Choose from over 50 spas in stock, new inventory weekly, and prices slash to move fast. Don't let April's showers keep you from a new spa. Visit their huge showroom in Destiny, USA, and ask about their 48-month 0% financing option for credit-qualified buyers. Treat yourself with a new spa from MyHotTub.com. Don't just take our word for it. See for yourself at Destiny, USA. Hurry, these spas won't last. What's going on, everybody? Paul Bissonette here from the Spit and Chicklets podcast and now the TNT broadcast. I just want to give everybody a shout out and make sure you tune in to the ML Sports Platter. The ML Sports Platter back with you all over the major platforms, Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher, and Deezer. Of course, download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. We are brought to you by our great friends at Welch & Company Jewelers. Log on today to welchjewelers.com. Shop the showcase. Get the best jewelry around at Welch & Company Jewelers online, welchjewelers.com. Thank you as well to Stanley Law Offices, Brian Comboy of Mass Mutual New York State, and our great friends over at MyHotTub.com. If you're in and around Central New York, stop by MyHotTub, grab your spa, your hot tub, it's the season for it, and of course, MyHotTub.com if you want to visit online before uh, your visit physically to Destiny USA as well. MyHotTub is the official tub sponsor of the ML Sports Platter. Let's bring in Liam McHugh from the NHL on TNT, the fantastic studio host. The season is winding down in the NHL. The playoffs are coming. The Sabres are turning things around. We're going to break it all down with Liam McHugh. Hey, Liam. It's great to be on. How's everything? Things are great. Before I get to the end of the season and the upcoming playoffs, the Sabres have had great March and April months. Does that mean that we can now immediately fall into this category that next year the expectation now is to make the playoffs uh probably not okay uh just given history um and given how good the east is uh but you know i was looking at this team and i was running about expectations for next year because i'm tired of uh coming on uh podcasts like yours or coming on buffalo radio and giving out hope to Sabres fans, and then having it crush them later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like this team a lot, the way it's built right now. And a big reason I like it is uh, there just seems to be positive energy and positive vibes. And more than that, it seems to me that they have players who are playing well who also really want to be there. And that is a huge part of the equation when you're talking about Buffalo. I don't want people who are looking for the exits. I want people who want to be a Buffalo Sabre, want to live in Western New York, want success there. And I think they have that right now. Um, I was looking at the Red Wings of this year before their March tumble, which was really disastrous. 
as maybe the next step for the Buffalo Sabres. I saw a Red Wings team that uh, over the first of the season that, you know, I didn't think was going to make the playoffs, but I thought could hang around and had taken a huge step from being one of the worst teams in the league to being a team that, like, hey, you don't want to play them in Detroit. Mm-hmm. That's a tough game, and they're going to be good in a couple of years, and they're going to compete for the playoffs. I think that really is what you have to look at if you're a Buffalo Sabres fan. You're going to take the next step. Hey, if you overachieve and you're hanging around and you're battling for that final wild card spot, that's a win. You have good young pieces. You have exciting pieces. Put some butts in those seats. Fill that arena. Get loud. Make Buffalo a tough place to play. And maybe you're competing for a wild card. Uh, I, I think it's a good trajectory. And I'm feeling positive about them, but I'm not ready to tell you, Mike, that next year is the playoff year. That's fair. Um, Alexander Ovechkin scores his 50th goal. I mean, what what is what's left to say about this guy? Uh, I think at this point, if you want to start adding accolades, I think you could say year by year, he is making a case that he is the best player to play this game at that age. And I think that's what you can say about Alex Ovechkin this year. Uh, 36 years old, 50 goal score, not slowing down, still hitting people, um, you know, still find him exactly where he's going to be on the power play and you can't stop it. Mm-hmm. Alexander Ovechkin is, uh, I think the, the crazy thing about him is that he plays physically, he doesn't get hurt, he plays, you know, with the nose for the goal, will go to some areas to score goals that a lot of 36-year-olds won't. I don't know. I think at this point, you're looking at him, and I think you're looking at Crosby as well, because if you look at what Crosby's doing at his age, in terms of like a point-per-game situation, you're looking at two guys that, you know, years ago, if you played when you were 18, 19, and you hit that 33, 34, the decline started happening. And for a lot of guys, it happens rapidly. It really does. You just can't keep up. But guys keep themselves in ridiculous shape now, and year after year, they can still do this. Alex Ovechkin is going to I don't even think it's really in doubt unless a terrible injury happens that derails all of this. Alex Ovechkin is going to pass Wayne Gretzky. That is going to happen. And what I've said before and I've said to you, and what I love about this is that this isn't going to be some shell of Alex Ovechkin that passes Wayne Gretzky right. where he's limping to the finish line and we're all like, oh, great. This is going to be an Alex Ovechkin that is a 30-plus goal scorer who's passing him and helping his team compete the players. I think the cool thing about this, Mike, is that a few weeks ago, we looked at Washington as, all right, they're the eighth seed in the East, and if there is a weak team in the East because of their goaltending, the team you want to play is the Washington Capitals. The goaltending is still an issue, don't get me wrong. I don't know that you can look at the Capitals and say, I want to play them in the playoffs right now. Uh, this is a team that has some momentum right now. They're playing good hockey, and Ovechkin is a big reason why. So he is still a guy at 36 years old who is a driving force behind a team that can make noise in place. Not many guys can say that at 36. No doubt, and I think that's the point right there. I think you nailed it because a lot of players play in their high 30s, low 40s. We've seen guys do it, and and it's because of what you mentioned. They keep themselves in great shape. Uh, you know, guys come into the league now. I mean, you look at the youngsters. They're not doing what the, the the young guys did 20, 30 years ago to be accepted in. They're just they're in right away. The health is there. The personal chefs are there. The nutrition, uh, all the treatments. But the thing is, is that while everybody's playing at that age and can play into that age and can keep themselves in great, great shape by doing so, they're not performing the way Ovechkin is. I think that's the that's the thing. He's he. 
there's all these players at these ages, and then you have like way up, way up, way up is Ovechkin. It's just it's mind blowing, Liam. Yeah, I mean, if he scored thirty goals this season, he'd be praiseworthy. Be a great work. Yeah, be a great it, year. It would be a yeah. phenomenal season. Yeah, and he's got twenty more goals. I know. Oh my god, I mean, it's crazy. It's no, unbelievable. I, don't know. I, I, I think it's uh, he is. I, I mean, there were people who seven or eight years ago. You know, when he started to dip a little bit and maybe, you know, the league wasn't as open in terms of spring as it is right now, mm-hmm. that we're saying this guy will never score 50 goals again. And he's done it multiple times. Wow. And we've had, you know, shortened seasons where he scored in the 40s. So, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I see a motivated athlete. I see a guy who's, you know, extremely pumped to chase Gretzky's record, but at the same time win hockey games. So they're not meaningless goals either, which is really cool. What teams do you not want to face in the postseason? Uh, it's a great question, especially when I look at the East, because like, you know, I think Florida gets, it, it, it's a bizarre situation where a team can, you know, just tear off win after win, lock up the one seed in the East, have 118 points right now. And people are just overlooking them and saying there's no true favorite in the East. I don't want to play Florida because I think Florida can light you up offensively. They don't mind mis- mixing it up physically. They have a ton of depth in scoring. And I, I get that the you know people say, oh, maybe the goaltending isn't, you know, maybe it's a question mark. I, I don't think it's that bad. I think you're at this, this point nitpicking with the team. Uh, I think the other cool thing about Florida is it's not like there's a whole bunch of national pressure or local pressure on Florida. Uh, it, it doesn't exist in the way that it does, uh, certainly for the Maple Leafs. It doesn't exist in the way that it does for Colorado. So I would say you don't want to play Florida. You, in the West, yeah. You know, the, I think the instant response is Colorado just because of the season they've had. But I would say it's Calgary. Yes. You don't, you don't want to play Calgary. A lot of people man. are saying that. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yep. I mean, this is a team that they have the best top line in hockey uh, with Linholm, with Kachuk, with Goudreau. They play defense. They play Daryl Sutter hockey. They have a legit star goaltender. They're going to have a, a distinct, in my view, a very distinct home ice advantage, which is something that doesn't really exist that much in the playoffs anymore. It's a team that's just, you know, uh, I mean, I like them so much that I don't want to talk about it because I feel like I'm jinxing them at this point. But the cool thing about this, Mike, is that I don't think you want to play Calgary. I think they get through the first round relatively easily. What you could get in the second round, which would be a gift to all of us, is the Battle of Alberta. You could get Calgary, Edmonton, and let's just say Edmonton gets through the second round, which is no given considering their playoff history, but you could get McDavid and Dreisaitl against a Daryl Sutter-led team, and that's something we should all desperately want to see. The Rangers are a really interesting team for me because every time I flip them on, which is often because I like to watch them, I get the games on all the networks, yours, I get it on MSG, I get it on, if I need it, ESPN, I get it everywhere. And the Rangers are, they have so much firepower and they're so fun from Strom to Zabinijad. You look at the year Chris Kreider's had, Shesterkin might be the Vesna winner. You've got Adam Fox and, and others playing lights out defense. They have all of these moments where you're like, wow, they can outscore you. They can lock you down. They have the goaltender who can take over again. Wow, wow. They're, they're so built for the play. And then they have a dud game. And then another dud game. And then they go back to the stuff that I talked about. Where are we at with the Rangers in terms of going into the playoffs here? Yeah, I think it's one of those things where there's 
a, a healthy reason for optimism. There certainly is. And and that is right off the bat that uh, they have all the things you mentioned, but they have goaltending that should be able to match up with any other team, and it should be the edge for them. And that's an enormous edge in the playoffs. Given that, it's a goaltender who has virtually no playoff experience. So we should put that out there as well. Like, it's not like it's a proven commodity in the playoffs. I think he'll be fine. I think there'll be games that he absolutely steals because Shesterkin is that good. Um, I think why people pump the brakes a little bit on the Rangers is simply because it doesn't fit with the storyline and fit with the plan. The Rangers were a good team that played very well at times, uh, played even better than that, looked like an elite team at times, but we all kind of felt like they're a year away or maybe even two years away. But you know what? In a year or two, Kreider may not have the year he had this year. Let's be honest. Uh, Panarin is one of the best playmakers in the entire league, and he's showing it right now. They absolutely crushed it at the trade deadline, and they weren't major splash moves, but the guys they got fit in exactly where they needed. Cop has been tremendous on that team. Yeah. And Vetrano's been a nice addition as well. I think they went out and did exactly what they had to do. And I look at this team, and it's sort of like, hey, just because they didn't make some enormous splash move where it's like, hey, we're announcing to the world that we're going for it right now, this is a team that should be going for it right now because there is star power. There is that depth. They made the right decisions. There's a chemistry on this team. I don't mind the occasional dud. The best thing that this team has going for it is the fact that for a long time, for many months, everyone looked at this team and they're having success and said, Shesterkin is carrying them. And the numbers really backed that up. Uh, Shesterkin was definitely having them win games that they should have lost or should have at least maybe gone into overtime or shootout and only, you know, gotten two or one points in a coin flip type game. He did for a little while, especially in late February, early March. His numbers went down. The Rangers kept winning some games, and you could say the schedule wasn't great. It wasn't the toughest. Who cares? You played those teams. Your goaltender, who was all-world, had his moment where he wasn't playing very well, and you still won those games, and your defensive numbers were better. So I feel better about the Rangers after seeing Shesterkin struggle for a little bit because now I'm seeing that there are moments where he looks like the old Shesterkin. So if you get that guy who's locked in and a team that's playing this style now, yeah, you may get an occasional duck. I like the Rangers a lot. There's a good chance they could be the one seed here. I don't know even the one seed, uh, you know, or win their division, rather. I don't know that it matters, though, because I'm not sure the matchups. If I'm Pittsburgh, I don't want to play the Rangers. Uh, I, they scare me. They've had our number. But right now, uh, I like the Rangers a lot, and I think you have to at some point if you're a Rangers fan and say, Maybe it's this year. Maybe it's not next year. We're going for it right now. All right. I wanted to sneak in two really quick ones before I let you go. Liam McHugh, NHL on TNT, our guest here on the ML Sports Platter. The Tampa Bay Lightning, what's it going to take for them to win a third straight cup? Uh, I think they have to be healthy. Bottom line. Uh, I I think they have to avoid a major injury uh, because this is an older team that's played an absurd amount of hockey. Uh, Vasilevsky has to not be exhausted because he should be exhausted. The amount of playoff games that he's played over the last two uh, seasons, you can you basically add one full season of work. And here's the other thing about Vasilevsky. It's not that he just played those games. He never gets pulled in those playoff games. He plays all the minutes of those playoff games. There's never a goalie controversy where, like, hey, we're starting someone else in game three because he struggled. He plays every single minute of every single game. So that's a ton of work on a guy that you rely heavily on in those big moments. So 
if you could somehow get him some rest, which why wouldn't you at this point? Because, I mean, it appears that you're going to be the three seed. You're going to play Toronto. Uh, rest him. Make sure he's fine. They need to avoid injury. Otherwise than that, I don't think you change much because I'm telling you right now, even this is a team. If there is a team that you can believe in flipping a switch, it is this team. And Maple Leafs first round matchup. Uh, if we could get that, it would be tremendous. I think for Toronto, probably nice to avoid Boston and all those memories. But I, I just think experience matters in that matchup, and Tampa Bay has all of it. Toronto's experience is all negative at this point, and their goaltending is an issue. And right now, Matthews is out. So you talk about Tampa Bay getting in, maybe getting through Toronto in the first round, and you could get Tampa Bay, Florida, second round. Uh, I don't know. And I'd coin flip that series. The Lightning are that good. They know how to win these moments. Stay healthy. I was about to say to you in the last question, how will you remember Mike Bossy? And then I just uh, looked at your Twitter and saw Mike Bossy and Guy Lafleur shaking hands in a photo. You 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 quote tweeted Guy Lafleur is now gone. Oh my yeah. goodness! What? Oh, that's that's terrible. How how will you remember these two guys? I just found out. This is awful. I know, I know. It's uh, and that picture that I saw of uh, Guy Lafleur and Mike Bossy. Uh, you know, a few media members up in Canada told me that. Um, you know, when Bossy passed and there were tributes around the entire league because, you know, he was that impactful that in Montreal, they showed that picture up on the Jumbotron of Guy Lafleur and Mike shaking hands on the ice. And now Guy Lafleur has passed. And, you know, uh, Guy Lafleur uh, was one of those players who, you know, by all accounts, every time he had the, you know, puck on his stick scared you. Um, he was a winner. And Mike Bossy, you know, very similar situation. Mike Bossy, I think you're talking about the you know the greatest pure goal scorer of all time on a dynasty. Uh, you know, I grew up on Long Island. I was young when that uh, when the four straight championships happened. But I mean, these these guys were gods. They were kings. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm the you know I would remember him as the greatest pure goal scorer of all, of all time. And I would say it's. You know, now that I'm this age and I've watched what I've watched, it's him and Alexander Ovechkin. And uh, if you're one, two, and that's, you know, right there, that's some elite company. Um, but, uh, you know, more than that, it's talent and it's a desire to win. And um, that's what those guys had. And I don't know, it's, it's a sad time for the NHL as everyone gets set for the playoffs and we get pumped up and this is going to be the best time of the year. But... Yeah, we lost two all-time greats and a couple really beloved uh, human beings. Yeah, we sure did. Liam McHugh, NHL on TNT, the terrific studio host on Twitter, at Liam underscore McHugh. Liam, you're the best. Thank you, bud. Uh, thanks for having me, man. Always appreciate it. Before I bring in another amazing guest in Kostya Kennedy, who has a brand new book out on Jackie Robinson, a couple of quick messages, the first of which is from our friends at Bet Online. If you're looking to wager on all the big events in sports, Use Bet Online. It's where the game starts and it's super easy to get started. Head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V, B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. A message from Athletic Greens as well. It's very important, right, to be healthy these days. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. And with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, and more to start your day right. Hey, their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, 
focus, aging, energy, recovery, and more. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Wow. Reclaim your health today and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens take ownership of your health. Okay, let's bring in best-selling author Costi Kennedy. He's done it again with another brand new book. It is out. It's called True, The Four Seasons of Jackie Robinson. Major bookstores, online where books are sold. It is a probing, richly detailed, unique biography of Jackie Robinson, one of baseball's and America's most significant figures. Costia Kennedy, the New York Times best-selling author. Costia, thanks for a few minutes, and congratulations on the work. Thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate it. Let's start with this, Jackie Robinson. What were you hoping to to get across in this book that hasn't already been said about Jackie? Well, I think there's look, look, there has been a lot said about Jackie. I was kind of looking for you know, and I'll just go quickly to the title, which is "True: The Four Seasons of Jackie Robinson." That tells you a little bit of the way we're going to try to look at him. Um, I was looking at four specific years in his life which are actual years of course but also uh, figuratively the spring summer autumn and winter of his public life um, athletic and public life and I felt that by by drawing in on some of those key years uh, I, I'd have an opportunity to look at him a little more closely as both a, an athlete a player as a man um, as, as a, an activist especially later in his life um, without necessarily having to go sort of blow by blow through every every step, every step of his way, right? So it, it, it kind of gives you a chance to do things in some ways more efficiently or to tell a story in a little bit of a different way. And, and that's really what I was hoping to do. I know that there, you know, there have been kind of bigger soup-to-nuts biographies that have been really good. I mean, I know, you know, excellent. Um, I just want one to take a little bit of a different look. Um, you know, there's the story and then there's the way we tell the story. And those are the two things that, that make a book. I love it. Um, so obviously we are, what, about a week or so removed from Jackie Robinson Day, um, you know, mm-hmm. held annually on the day that he, you know, helped break baseball's color barrier. And around Major League Baseball, it's a celebration in all the parks. You know, Rachel Robinson was in New York at City Field. They wear 42 on all the all the uniforms. A lot of players wear you know, different things, wristbands and socks and whatnot to 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 throw the tribute to Jackie. There's patches. Um, there, it's talked about on all the networks. All of that is great, but is it enough? Is Major League Baseball right now doing enough to honor Jackie Robinson, in your opinion? You know, I think they are. A lot of it is, is yeah, I, I think that the accolades, the annual accolades, look, there's nobody else in the sport that gets that kind of attention, and that's rightfully, right? He's clearly the most important player. Um, the sport has ever had, and, and that includes Babe Ruth in terms of its social impact, in terms of what what it allowed baseball to do outside of itself. Um, I think that the, the I guess the larger question is, is what what is baseball doing or not doing in the spirit of Jackie Robinson? Uh, and I think that there's, there's definitely a big effort 
for, for any number of reasons to continue to diversify, continue to open the game um, keep, and keep the game open to as many people as possible. That's why I think we want to look at, at, at the work that's going on. And, and I think that, that, that by and large, uh, baseball does, does a good job and has, has the right effort. It, it's, it's hard in today's world to, to get to all the people you want to get to. It's a highly competitive environment out there in, in the sports landscape, of course, in the general entertainment landscape. So, um, but I think in terms of, of expanding the game and opening up, baseball is doing, doing a good job. It's certainly a priority uh, of the commissioner and baseball in general. Um, and, and, you know, so overall, I, I'm not really critical of where they're doing it. And I don't really think that, that Robinson would, he would certainly speak about stuff and notice things and, and have, a, have a sort of nuanced approach to, to his opinions. But I think overall, he, he'd probably be pleased with the general direction that, that baseball has tried to take. How many sports was Jackie Robinson better at than baseball? It's <laughs> a really good question. Maybe three. I don't know oh, about basketball, but he, 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 was, he was a great football player at UCLA. Yeah, sure. So UCLA, he lettered for, for, in, in football, baseball, basketball, and, and track. He was, uh, you know. An, That's all, it, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So huge football star. He had, actually, at UCLA, didn't play that much baseball, only a mm-hmm. season. Um, very good basketball player and an Olympic caliber you know there was no olympics in 1940 which would have been the year he he could have gone and his older brother mac uh ran in 1936 finished second to jesse owens um so jackie certainly could have been a contender to be a a track olympian for sure um and it's interesting you ask that because when he first started out and one of the years i look at in the book is 1946 the year i think has been a little underreported that's where he really broke into baseball and began to integrate at, at the minor league level, uh, at the top minor league league itself in the International League and the top farm team of the Brooklyn Dodgers in Montreal. And Jackie was the only black player in, the, in an all-white league. And that year, among other things, he was learning to become a, a better baseball player. He was an exceptional athlete, immediately a, a change maker on the baseball field. But, you know, could be outcrafted by pitchers with more experience to, you know, sometimes go to the wrong base or, or things like that. Uh, he, he was kind of raw as a player, as you said, and that was a crucial year to sort of get him ready um, for what was to come in 1947 when he broke in with the Dodgers, of course, in the years that followed. The book is out. It's called True, the Four Seasons of Jackie Robinson. Of course, the best-selling author, Costi Kennedy, is with us here to chat about it, a probing, richly detailed, unique biography of Jackie Robinson, one of baseball's and America's most significant figures, online where books are sold, and major bookstores. What do you hope people say about the book when they get done with it? I hope that they feel they, they've been um, moved by Robinson in some way. You know, I, I hope that Robinson reaches them through this, this book in a way beyond it's great to reach him just simply as you talk about, like the tribute to know and understand the sort of what he did. Uh, I, I think that, that sometimes with our with famous people, our heroes, or just our big figures, we might not see them as people as much as, as sim, and more as symbols. And Robinson was a really interesting person. He was a man. He was a human being, obviously. Um, and and his progression from being a kid, so to speak, in 1946, uh, I mean, he's already 27, but in this, compared to this landscape, he was just a kid breaking in 
1956 when he retired, and in 1972 when he died at the early age of Rachel Robinson, his widow, is 99 years old. She's going to be 100 years old on July 19th this year. Um, Wow. How much is she mentioned in the book? And I I know that there have been times in other, uh, you know, books and articles and whatnot, I think Opening Day by Jonathan Eig and and some other uh, books that are are out there uh, have mentioned, you know, her a lot and how Jackie said, you know, part of how he was able to not retaliate to the n-word and all the other crap that was that he had to go through the bottles thrown at him and all the the the, just a complete and utter nonsense the horrible racism part of it was because rachel robinson helped you know keep him a little grounded too how much is she talked about in the book yeah i definitely get into rachel and she was a a key source for me uh mike about about eight nine years ago i did a fairly long story on on rachel for sports illustrated and spent spent a fair amount of time with her then and then maintained sort of a, you know, a, an, an association and relationship with her on some other things. And I did some, I did a couple of professional, professional events with Sharon, their daughter, um, moderating some things. So she was definitely um, part of this book. And what you're saying is no question, not only those first couple of years of, of Turn the Other Cheek, which is absolutely true, uh, that, that Rachel was, was, was crucial in that time, but even as time went on, you know, in 1949, which is the second season I, I really get into, Jackie was no more turned the other cheek. He, you know, the gloves were off, and that's, of course, when he became MVP and became, you know, give as good as he got kind of player, and, and that was that was crucial to his development. And Rachel was right there for all of that. And Rachel, you know, Jackie used to say we. Sometimes even if he was going to the doctor for, for something for himself, he'd be like, well, we have a doctor's appointment. We with Rachel, he and Rachel. And from the beginning of, of their association, they were married in, in 45 until his death. It was pretty much we all along. I, I, you know, it's, it's sometimes we say, hey, there's a great spouse behind every famous person. It's no exaggeration that we wouldn't have had the Jackie Robinson that we know if it wasn't for Rachel. I mean, if you think about what he, what he went through and how alone you could feel at those times, even among well-meaning people, right? There's no one who's really experiencing what you're experiencing. And to have her there, um, which is absolutely crucial. And the last thing I just want to say about Rachel, she's an incredibly intelligent and accomplished woman um, herself, uh, you know, a nurse, uh, set up a health program, worked at Yale, 
then developed the Jackie Robinson Foundation shortly after Jackie's death, which is still around today, 50 years of, of sending kids mm. to college and getting them through college, impacting lives, you know, hundreds of lives year after year after year. She's just a remarkable, remarkable person and, and lived a life um, at the level and standards of her ability. Okay, final thing. I want to kind of rope in a few things together and just let you go. Um, At what moment did it maybe not happen, you know, where Jackie Robinson was signed to the contract, Branch Rickey, the whole thing, to to, to break the color barrier in Major League Baseball? Was there a point where maybe it didn't happen? Where was the point maybe it did happen? And then kind of in that answer, if you could just give me maybe the guy or two guys who you think would have been, you know, the, the color barrier breakers if it hadn't been Jackie Robinson. Great, great question. So does any, you know, we, we have a sense of looking at history, not just in this case, but in general, it's sort of inevitable. Well, that's how it happened, though it had to happen that way. But uh, to your point, there, there were any number of times when it could have gone wrong. You know, I mentioned the, the year 1946, uh, when he was in Montreal, the reason for that year, even though he was, you know, we talked earlier about his athleticism, he was athletically capable along at a, at a, to play with the Brooklyn Dodgers the year before. But in addition to learning about baseball, he also had to get used to being in that intense, intense spotlight um, and, and being a representative for the African-American community to, to take all the things you're talking about taking. There were definitely times along that way where, when uh, Jackie wanted to wanted to sit down, um, he, he took a couple of days off during the season when for mental fatigue. Uh, kind of the doctor termed it a, a nervous breakdown. I don't know if it's quite all that um, that what that might imply, but but it was a couple of days where he had to go sit and take take a little time off. He would go and and talk about the pressures and Branch Rickey and Mel Jones, who was the GM of the. Montreal Royals, they would say, sit in the boat. Uh, and Jackie did that. What they meant by that was when storm is raging outside um, and there's all stuff going around, you just sit in the boat, we're going to get to the other side. So mentally, psychologically, there were numerous points along the way where it might not have worked out. And lastly, he also very well could have gotten injured. He played very, even when he was turning the other cheek, he played aggressively. Pitchers were throwing baseballs at him all the time. No player in the, in the first two years of uh, the major leagues, 47 and 48, was hit more than Jackie Robinson. There was ample time, and that was true in 46 as well as a minor leaguer, for him to get hurt and not make it. There were any number of players, Mike, who had the skill, not a, not a, an infinite number, but if you look at players like Josh Gibson, Cool Papa Bell, uh, Satchel Page, and, of course, Monty Urban, those were... Those were all players who could have been the first. Larry Doby, certainly, who was the first um, African-American player in the American League later in 1947. Um, they were players who could have done it. Whether um, whether they would have been successful as Jackie, that just, it, it's not known. It, it, took, it takes a lot. It takes skill, mental toughness, a lot of different things. One thing about the way Jackie played, his speed and his aggressiveness, was a key, key part of why Branch Rickey wanted him and what made him so successful. He was the guy you wanted to watch on the field. You couldn't take your eyes off him, whether he was black, white, or whatever. He was he was out there dancing on the base path, making things happen. A player like Josh Gibson, who could, could have been a great home run hitter, certainly had the ability to be a great home run hitter in, in any league, um, 
might not have been had that day to day sort of you know magnetism that a player like Robinson had. So his style of play is not at all to be divorced from from why he was successful and how he made it. You know, I love the cover of the book because Jackie has this this smile on him, and it's sort of like a smile slash grin at the same time. You know, hey, for all the racism that I'm getting, for all of the the hatred, for for the challenges and all the rest, that's a that that's a look on his face. I love playing the game of baseball, and I'm kicking your ass doing it with the grin. You know, it's kind of like a combination of that, isn't it? When you look at, it, I've been looking at it the last couple minutes. Yeah, and it's great. That's a lovely observation. And one thing I want to say, Mike, and Rachel, Jackie was this way, and Rachel has been very much to this point in the years after. They viewed themselves as extremely lucky, extremely lucky to have the opportunity, to have the ability to to embrace that challenge, to be who they were. They rose to the challenge. That doesn't mean it was easy. It was never easy, right? Jackie wrote an autobiography. I never had it made. And he was aware of how difficult it could be, but they also knew, or felt at least, that they they had been given an opportunity. They were lucky. They felt lucky to have it. Uh, they speak about that often, and the opportunity that, that a lot of other people didn't get. Um, so I think that they're aware of that, and they know that they had a lot of joy in their lives with their kids and, and with things they were able to do. Um, and that's not lost on, on Robinson or his family. New York Times best-selling author, Costi Kennedy, he's done it again. It's called True, the Four Seasons of Jackie Robinson. Go get it. Amazon.com, other online platforms where books are sold, and Costi's website as well, CostiKennedy.com. They have direct links right there. And, hey, while you're there, don't stop shopping with Jackie Robinson, this, this new book. Go get Joe DiMaggio and, and The Last Magic Number in Sports 56. Go get Lasting Impact on New Rochelle Football. I read that. I've read them all. Uh, so amazing. Uh, and, and, of course, on Pete Rose as well, the American Dilemma book. So go get all of uh, Kostya's book, uh, books and follow him on Twitter as well, at Kostya Kennedy. Again, the new one is a definitive, brand new, yet richly detailed and unique biography called True, The Four Seasons of Jackie Robinson. Kostya Kennedy, thank you so much. Congratulations and continued success. Very kind. Thank you so much, Mike. I enjoyed being on. A quick message from our friends at Credit Karma. Folks, you know how important this stuff is, and Credit Karma does as well. Are you paying down old credit card debt? A personal loan could be your solution. Loans usually come with fixed monthly payments, making them a simple way to help pay off your credit cards. Plus, loans usually have lower interest rates than credit cards do, and Credit Karma can help you find the best option for you. Ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers. That's creditkarma.com slash loan offers. You can see your personalized offers there. Credit Karma, apply with more confidence today. What a show this was with Liam McHugh, NHL on TNT, and of course, Kostya Kennedy talking about his new book on Jackie Robinson. Get that definitely online where books are sold and uh, any bookstores where you might visit in and around town. Uh, I can't wait to dive into it and uh, read it cover to cover. And Kostya, of course, one of the best in the business. He's been doing it for a long time, best-selling author, and pick up all those other books as well, as I mentioned, on New Rochelle Football, Joe DiMaggio, Pete Rose, you name it, CostiaKennedy.com, and other online platforms and bookstores where books are found. The ML Sports Platter is all over the major platforms. Download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. We are brought to you by Stanley Law Offices. Stanley Law Offices, together, They'll work to get you the maximum reward. A tip of the cap thank you as well to Ken's Auto Detailing, your State Farm agent Matt Graham, Camillus Golf Club, the Allen Angus Pub, and 
our great friends at Bowers & Company, CPAs, Certified Public Accountants, and Business Consultants, Bowers & Company, CPAs. Log on today for all your accounting needs at bcpllc.com. That's bcpllc.com. I'm Mike Lindsley. Thanks again for listening. As I always tell you, enjoy the games. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.